Today's Unseminary podcast episode is brought to you by Regal Theater Church, the only theater company providing full-service consultation for churches wanting to create dynamic worship services in familiar, culturally relevant venues, the local movie theater, with lots of parking, spacious lobbies, plenty of bathrooms, and a perfect view of the screen from a comfortable seat. Regal Theaters are ideal for church plants and multi-sites. Learn more at regaltheaterchurch.com or call their incredible team at 1-800-792-8244 today. Welcome to the Unseminary Podcast. Are you looking for practical ministry help to drive your ministry further, faster? Have a sinking feeling that your ministry training didn't prepare you for the real world? Hey, you're not alone. Join thousands of others in pursuit of stuff that we wish they had taught in seminary. Buckle up and let's get started with this week's Unseminary Podcast. Well, hey, everybody. Welcome to the podcast. My name's Rich Birch, uh, the host around these parts. Thank you so much for tuning in. I'm just so fortunate that you would take some time out today uh, to, to spend some time with us here at, at Unseminary. Today, we're uh, super privileged to have Mike Ash with us. Mike is a part of the team over there at Next Level Church uh, in Florida. I'm just so glad to have him. For folks that don't know, Next Level started in 2002. They're currently a two-campus uh, uh, church and about 3,000 people on a Sunday. It's a fast-growing church. We're excited to have Mike on the show. Thanks for being here, Mike. Yeah, well, thanks for having me. I'm excited about being able to share and talk and connect on this podcast. Yeah, so for people that don't know Next Level, tell us a little bit about your ministry. Yeah, well, we started in 2002, like you said, mm -hmm. uh, and we were portable a portable church for about nine years. And then a few years Amazing. ago, moved into... <laughs> Yeah, it was pretty crazy. We grew to about 900 people in a yes. in a high school. We were in a movie theater for four years, mm -hmm. uh, high school for about four years, mm -hmm. and then we moved a few years ago. We moved into our first permanent facility, and uh, we when we looked for buildings around our area in Fort Myers, uh, the one that we came upon was it was about 14,000 square feet, mm -hmm. and we said, well, that may not be exactly what we want. Yes, and we were going to build. So we the idea was let's build a big auditorium. Let's build. Mm -hmm. A 900 seat auditorium. Let's take the current building and make it kind of the foyer and kids. Um, we drew out the plans. We looked at it and we said, you know what? It's going to be more money than we want to spend. And we, we had been a part of a church in the past mm -hmm. where they their their debt was higher than it should have been, and, okay. and they really struggled. And so we we built out our kids space and we used the current space as kind of that auditorium foyer space. And so we have about 20,000 square feet at our first location um, we run five services on the weekend about wow. 2700 people at that campus and then our second campus is uh, is a three-quarter model of that so it's a little bit smaller um and we run about a thousand people at that campus which we launched uh two years ago so it's been uh it's been a pretty intense process it's been a lot of fun so we moved we moved into our first permanent facility from the high school at 900 people and overnight we went to 1800 people wow. Wow. We've just grown uh, from there. So it's been, it's kind of fun because you, that nine years of being portable, you push and you push and you push and you you have in your mind, at some point this thing's going to, at some point it's going to take off. Um, and then after nine years, you're like, yeah, maybe it's not. Like, like it's it's all yes. slow growth. It's all really slow. And uh, our, our lead pastor, he self-published a book um, back around that time. And it was called The Up the Middle Church, the whole idea of the, using the football analogy of you know what? There's just not a lot of long bombs. Right. There's a lot just of... through the middle of the pack there. Uh -huh. yeah. Wow. So yeah, it's been fun. So we've been uh, 13 years now and excited and God's continuing wow. to move and do some pretty amazing stuff. Now, tell me about your role there. What do you do at the church? Well, I'm one of the executive pastors there. And mm -hmm. so that 
you know, I think sometimes executive pastor is a good title to to just give you whatever you want, you know, yes. in different stages. So <laughs> I feel like in different stages of the church, um, you know, because I was a part of certain the church yeah. uh, with Matt and Sarah, Pastor Matt and Sarah, and, uh, you know, so I've been there 13 years. So I've done just about everything. Right. Um, so one of my big roles now is creating culture mm-hmm. and it's been creating culture with our staff, uh, leading some of our staff, and it continues to shift and grow. But a lot of that is continuing to create and reinforce um, the culture that we want with our staff. So a lot of leading with our staff in general uh, and moving in that direction. Yeah, even just a casual observer of Next Level um, will notice that you do have a strong culture, that there is a, you know, this is, you know, seems to be a, um, you know, kind of a part of what God's using in your midst to see your growth. I'd love to kind of dig into that. Tell us about how you're developing the culture there of your team. Well, you know, one of the things I would say is we've, one of the things we recognized a few years ago, we recognized, okay, this is a great place to be. Mm -hmm. And one of the things I remember when we moved down to start the church, um, it was, I, we all kind of went and got other jobs. We'd only raised a little over $9,000 to start the church. And so we didn't really know much about church planning. There weren't, there we're part of an organization now called the ARC who are geniuses as far as church planning goes, but we, they weren't existing back then. Right. So we raised $9,400. We moved to Fort Myers. We all got jobs and it was about a year after the church started where I actually became on staff. So, Mm. um, and so I remember our lead pastor, Pastor Matt, um, we had a conversation. He said, Hey, ministry is unlike any other job. I want this to be a place where, man, if we're going to be here, you know, all week long, Mm -hmm. let's try to love it. Like, let's Mm -hmm. try to do whatever we can to love it. And so from that heart, we've, our staff was developed and kind of grown in this, we're going to love being here. Like, we're going to do whatever we can to love. Well, so we had always had this really good feel. Well, there's a guy in uh, Mountain Lake Church um, called Sean Lovejoy. His name's Sean Mm -hmm. Lovejoy. He had come in. He said, you guys have a really great culture here, but can you tell me why? And it's like, mm-hmm. well, we just love it here. <laughs> it's great. <laughs> it's great. Yes. And he said, if you don't work to identify why you love it here and what are the behaviors that your staff really reflect in order to make it love it here, then then there's a chance you'll lose it and you won't really be able to know why. Oh, that's a good insight. And so, and so we said, so we, he said, you guys got to sit down and figure out what are some of those things. And so from that, it really spurred us on to say, all right, why do we have a great like why do we have a great culture what are the things that we love what are the behaviors um which i think is such a great question to ask in a staff in general what are the behaviors that you want everyone on your team to reflect like what like like it, what is the what are the behaviors that if they were to do these they would be successful in your organization mm. um and so we sat down and we drew out and we really laid out what are our behaviors that we think if you do these things mm. you'll win here like mm. what's the target on the wall as far as behavior because i think mm-hmm. a lot of times we look at the weekend we look at different things and we think we're going to create a great church but yes, a yes. lot of that I and mean, we just know this it stems from um, the behavior of the staff, the culture of the staff, the health of the staff. And one of the things we recognize, which is so huge, and I think this is true um, with our lead pastor, he, I mean, all of it flows down. So, mm-hmm. so if, if your lead pastor uh, doesn't, doesn't believe yes. something, it's, it's a tough deal. But one of the things that, that he's always pushed is we got to get more healthy. We got to keep growing. Right. We got to keep moving forward. And, and so he's continued to move in that direction. And what we found is the more healthy your staff culture is, the more healthy people that you attract, and the more, the more your culture actually naturally kind of dispels the unhealthy people. Mm. And so for us, the better culture you can create, the mm-hmm. more it attracts the people you want and kind of detracts the people that you don't want. 
in that. Yeah, absolutely. The thing I love that you're saying there is, you know, I think sometimes when we think about organizational clarity or kind of, you know, where are we heading? It sometimes can be very ethereal as, but I like what you're saying around behaviors. Like this is what you're doing. And why don't we dig into some of those? What are some of those behaviors, you know, that are driving the culture at your church? Yeah, well, we we have seven. Okay. And I would say seven's probably about the max. Okay. Like, you do more because you want you want people to memorize them. You want them to be able to live them out. Um, and honestly, we're, we're the question we've been having a little bit now is how do we actually make them into some sort of an acronym? Like how do we actually right. make them into because they're not that now. Right. And so it's but how do you actually do that? We were thinking about changing some of them, the names of them, not necessarily not changing the values, um, but changing. And so we have seven of them. And so um, so so I'll, I'll kind of talk through our seven. Sure. Yeah. Um, you know, the first one that we, we kind of have is number one on the list, or at least the first one we put down, we just put down fun. Mm. Um, every every great culture has fun. Every great culture is a fun culture. Um, and I read, there's actually a study done by Forbes that talks about the best companies to work for. And I think it was the, somewhere around 83% of those people that were surveyed of all those companies described their workplace as a fun place to be. Mm. Um, great cultures are fun cultures. Mm-hmm. They don't have to be silly, they don't have to be goofy, but there is an element of if people, if people aren't having fun, then, then they just don't want to be there. And some yes, people yes. say, well, if they're having fun, how do they get work done? And <laughs> what, what we say to them is, listen, where are you going to work harder at? Are right. you going to work harder at a place that's fun or work harder at a place that you hate going to work at? Like yes. just taking the fun away is not the way to do it. Yes. Um, so fun, fun's a big one. The, the second one is trust. Uh, for us, it's really big into, we have to create a culture of trust. Um, Patrick Lencioni talks through in Five Dysfunctions of a Team, which is a great book, mm-hmm. but the idea that trust is the foundation for every relationship, trust is the foundation for every good thing that you want to accomplish. And if you're going to get results, you got to start with trust. And so for us, we're all about, we have to continue to build trust on our team. We have mm-hmm. to have healthy conflict. We've mm-hmm. got to talk about it. That unity, unity does not come through the absence of conflict. It comes through conflict. And we have to do it in healthy ways. And so for us, we're constantly talking to our staff about we have to keep having hard conversations. We have to keep talking. And again, we have to do it mature ways. We have to do it in right ways. And we've got to talk through it. But in order to do that, we have to make sure we have trust. Uh, the third one is loyalty for us. Loyalty, okay. uh, for us, it's all about uh, it's, it's having each other's back. Uh, we want to make sure we have each other's back. And so we will give each other the benefit of the doubt um, every single time, and we'll go through that. Fourth one is resourcefulness, um, which is we don't take no for an answer. And the <laughs> thing is, we're church planners. Yes, people, come on. We figure it out. We don't yes. take no for an answer. Right. Um, because what we found is, you know, when you're, when you're a church planner, like you think that when we get bigger, then we'll have, <laughs> then we'll have the staff. Then... And what we found is actually what happens is is that as you grow, people's people's options are limited mm-hmm. because they think the answer is money and staff. Mm-hmm. And so and so it's it's the idea that the the if you have money, you think that you're limited to the amount of money you have. But if you don't yeah, have that's money, a good insight. God can do anything. Yes, exactly, <laughs> exactly. And you can figure it out and innovation. So for us, we want to be innovative on the cutting edge. And so we talk about hey. The answer is not always staff and mm-hmm. money and staff and money. Mm-hmm. We have to be innovative. We've got to lead leaders. Uh, figure it out. Anyway, don't take no for an answer. Yeah, very cool. And so growth and teachability is the next mm-hmm. one. Growth and teachability, we're always getting better. We think if a church grows, the leaders in it have to grow. And if not, what happens is is that a church will grow, and then the the, the, the leader, if it's not growing as fast, there is a gap mm. that will exist. 
between mm-hmm. where the organization is, where your church is, mm-hmm. and where the leader needs to be. Yes. And 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 they'll just get gapped, and yes. they won't be able to hang. They won't be able to stay on uh, on your staff. Yeah, uh, absolutely. The next one is execution with excellence, which is basically we're gonna get stuff done and we're gonna do it well. Right. Uh, and that's a big value for us. And the last one is sacrifice. And sacrifice is all about heart. Sacrifice mm. is all about are you willing to go above and beyond? Right. It's not going above and beyond. Everybody does that. But are you willing? Is it in your heart to do that? So mm. those seven values really guide drive, us drive. And, and drive our behaviors. And we sit down with our staff and mm. we say, and on the very first day of being on staff at Next Level, we say, okay, Here's your seven core values. If you're going to be successful here, you will be successful here through these seven things. And and basically put these somewhere, memorize these. Mm-hmm. These are your target on the wall. And what we found is creating this clarity, it brings peace. <laughs> like they, like, because they know how to win. I think a lot of churches, a lot of organizations, we're not clear in telling our teams how they win to be on our staff. And I think when when there is no clarity. Mm-hmm. Confusion, mm-hmm. and when there's confusion, there's chaos, and everyone walks around going, "Am I going to get fired? Am I going to get right, fired?" Right, 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 right. It's not sure. Right. And for us, we said, "Here are our seven things," and we've tried to be very clear with that to help them understand how to win as a part of our staff. Now, how have you? Uh, so, two questions. First of all, what's been the um, the value that's been the hardest to drive in that you'd say, "Gosh, that one has been the trickiest to kind of get traction on with people." Um, that, yeah, that's a great question. I would say, I would say that different seasons it's different things right okay yeah i would say a couple of the, like loyalty is a big one hmm. loyalty is a big one because anytime there's any group of people the tendency is to talk to people about people hmm. and so hmm. what happens is and i love dave ramsey he says listen gossip the definition of gossip is talking to someone about an issue who does not have the ability to fix the issue <laughs> that's and, true and so, you have these pockets that of people that kind of gossip and talk about each other, even mm-hmm. within our teams, even mm-hmm. with our staff, not even necessarily intentionally. Nobody no nobody starts to any sort of gossip with a bad heart. Right. They're just venting, they're just talking to someone. Yes. What happens is is that you get a couple of people who are frustrated with someone and they start talking. Well that frustration elevates and it gets way bigger in their mind. Right. And they start having an ad- so for us it is it is the constant you have to if, if any any frustration demands a conversation. Mm. And so we just said, if you're frustrated with someone, you've got to talk to them. And if someone comes to you with a frustration, you have to do two things. One, you have to give them the benefit of the doubt. Mm-hmm. Oh, there's a, you know what? I know Rich. Rich mm-hmm. is a great guy. And if mm-hmm. he said it that way, I'm sure he'd mean it that way. Right. You got to give the benefit of the doubt. And then you have to send them on to have a conversation. So he's a great yes. guy. You need to talk to him. Yes. So those two things are our drivers for us in having conversations. But I, I would say those two things are probably um, we just got to keep pushing those, keep pushing those, keep pushing those, and then probably I'll, I'll give you this maybe three now. <laughs> they're all different. But the the growth thing is pretty huge because mm-hmm. the because as you grow, it's kind of, it's kind of like think of the idea of building a house. Mm-hmm. Um, as you grow higher, mm-hmm. you have to work on your foundation deeper. Oh, that's very good. So as your foundation or as your influence grows, as your ministry gets bigger, as things happen, what happens is there are things that are deeper. So so in a in a and I just think this is not to use numbers, but I think it mm-hmm. may be an experience. Mm-hmm. But I know for me, I could do some things when our church is five hundred people. Mm-hmm. Um, and honestly, I could do some things in my personal life, five hundred people, that as I grew, like God would bring those up or there would be mm-hmm. things that would hold me back that didn't help me didn't hold me back. 
when our church was a little bit smaller, but holds mm -hmm. me back now. And so that's everything from people have to work on their marriage in a different way. They've mm -hmm. got to work on their personal life. Mm -hmm. um, they've got to work on every different area of their lives, even growth wise. Mm -hmm. um, and, and so, so they, they have to continue to move forward. And, and that is very, that, that can be very painful. Mm -hmm. So people to do the hard work, especially we're at 3,000 people, our church is 3,000 people, I mean, we're successful, God is doing amazing things. People look on and go, oh, you guys are doing great. Well, so, so the urgency, when you're 100 people, like, you're, like we're gonna figure it out, we're gonna yes. grow. Yes, right, 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 right. Like, we're good. And so it's constantly not letting them get back on their heels, but staying on the balls of their feet, mm. ready to move forward, ready to grow, um, and continue to be teachable and continue to grow. Cool. How, what are some of the ways that you articulate these core values to your team? I'm sure you're doing it in a bunch of different ways. What are some of those ways you keep it in front of them? Yeah, well, that's a that's a fun question because for us, it is constantly driving it down. Yep. Um, so we, we, and first day of every uh, every staff or every staff person, the first day we sit down and we talk about these. Mm -hmm. um, every Monday, we still do an all staff Monday meeting. Okay, all staff great. together on Mondays. And then we do a 20 minute teaching to reinforce culture. Wow. Um, where So we do wins, which for us, a win is a name and a story. Mm -hmm. So we talk about a name, we talk about a story. Uh, we do some departmental updates and then we do a teaching where it's reinforcing culture mm -hmm. and laying that down. And then once a month, you know, Andy Stanley says what gets celebrated gets repeated. Mm -hmm. Once a month, we do we call it our staff core value uh, uh, award where uh, we basically okay. take one stat we went and got a twelve dollar uh, trophy <laughs> every month we give out the same trophy so you don't keep it for the whole time yeah give out the trophy and and we you know say you know Ashley did amazing this month and let us kind of brag on her and talk mm. about her and we talk about it and it's amazing because it's a twelve dollar trophy and these score values but when people get these I mean, they cry, they, I mean, they just, they're so honored, they're so yes. blown away by it, they're so, but I'm telling you, it continues to communicate, these are our values, and these are the behaviors, and these are, and so for us, we, we constantly lift them up, and then at the end of the year, um, we do, we call them kind of going from the, you know, the office uh, TV show that had mm -hmm. the Dundies, okay. we have the Steez, you know, okay. and we give one award away for each of the core values, and then we do a staff member of the year, and all the staff votes on it, so it's not wow. us, it's not you know, not leadership deciding. All the staff votes on it, and so it's pretty awesome. Like it's fun, it's fun to uh, be able to give those away. And again, people, we so for those, we give away coffee mugs mm -hmm. with the core value on it and their name. And pe I mean, they just they they love them. I mean, it is such a big deal. So for us, it's constantly celebrating it, constantly pointing it out, um, talking, and then uh, in all our one-on-one -on -one meetings and our reviews, we do reviews twice a year, and they're based on these seven things. Okay. Uh, so so it's all about continuing to reinforce and let them know because it, if all you do is put these seven and go, we have seven values, but you never talk about them, right? Never do anything with them. It just they just they they. I heard somebody say they live on the wall, but they don't happen down the hall. Yes, such a danger in some of this. So we have to continually talk about it. Um, we've got to we've got to call it out when things aren't going well. We have mm -hmm. to it out when they're not doing what they're supposed to do and then we need to celebrate it when they're doing what they want us to do absolutely well i hope people caught that there was a lot packed in there about a whole bunch of different ways to kind of keep the 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 values behaviors in front of uh in front of folks for sure this has been amazing anything else you want to share with us before we transition on the next part of the show this has been incredible is anything else around you know how you're communicating core values what you're doing to kind of drive this behavior deep in your organization that's a great question. You know, I would say if there's anything I would tell people as far as creating a healthy culture, I think clarity is such a big deal. 
but I think it all stems out of the leader. I think that I think that if you want to get a healthy culture, you want to have a great culture, you have to work on yourself, and that usually happens from looking internally and working on yourself. So if I could encourage anybody to do anything, it would be come on, like look inside, work on your heart, work on your heart stuff. Your heart will hold you back more than any skills, and so you have to get better. You have to continue to embrace. Um, all of that because I think, man, there's so much of digging out stuff in your past. I am, I am currently, I uh, six years ago or eight years ago, um, I went through counseling and I am back in counseling, continuing to work on stuff in my heart because as you grow, more things get revealed in the foundation and you got to keep working them out and keep digging them out. This is the Unseminary Podcast, stuff you wish they taught in seminary. Cool. Well, we're going to jump into the lightning round, that part of the episode where uh, we ask similar questions of everybody that's uh, on the show today. We're honored to have Mike Ash with us from Next Level Church in Fort Myers, Florida. Fantastic church. It's been a great conversation today. Mike, what's a book or an online resource that you've been using these days that's been particularly helpful for you? Well, there's a book that's kind of reach or kind of revolutionized my thinking as far as time management. It's called Procrastinate on Purpose. Oh, I'm uh, gonna read that later. Uh, it is <laughs> a guy named Rory Vaden. Uh-huh. It is it is a great book, and it has helped me rethink how I structure my time, how what I say yes to. Yep. Um, and so, really, I feel like a lot of my resources are all time stuff. So, mm. Procrastinate on Purpose is a book. The the app Wonderlist, yes, uh, to do list app that you can share with people. I mean, it is amazing yeah. uh, and then voxer which is a it's a you can send audio notes back to back and forth to people um it's kind of a walkie-talkie type of thing but you can have groups in there you can do that so as opposed to oh i need to talk to them well if you can't get a hold of them or you're running and you just need to let them know some information you can do that you can go back and forth um so those are a couple things that are helping me become more effective so a lot of right now it's just a lot of being more effective in what we do very cool uh what's another ministry that's inspiring you these days uh, that's a great question. You know, I, 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 it's not a ministry. Chick Fil A isn't. Oh come on, it's a ministry. The ministry of chicken sandwiches. Come on. That is. is. <laughs> Chick Fil A has. I, I am amazed that when you walk into other fast food places, mm-hmm. um, you walk in there and there are teenagers working there, and they just could care less. I mean, mm-hmm. that's just the way it is. But you walk into Chick-fil-A and the, you have 16-year-olds mm-hmm. and the way they act, the way they treat people, the way they interact is so different. Mm-hmm. And that doesn't happen because that doesn't happen on accident. Mm-hmm. That happens because they are so intentional with their culture. And mm-hmm. I feel like if, if they can get 16-year-olds to treat people with dignity and respect, well, then, well, then as a church, we can continue to figure things out in our culture. So just they, their culture is so rich and so amazing and so purposeful and so strategic. So I'm really just learning from them a lot right now. You know, so I'm in New Jersey, as listeners may uh, remember, and you know, which is not necessarily known as the friendliest state, you know, in our fair country. And uh, Chick-fil-A is relatively new in this part of the world. About, I would say, a year and a half ago, there was a Chick-fil-A that opened um, about 10 minutes from our house. And I still remember when I went and, you know, opening weekend, gosh, everybody's friendly. And I remember thinking, yeah, okay, whatever. They imported all these people from Georgia or something. I'm not sure where they found all these friendly people. But, you know, I, we were, I was just in there this week where you had a new staff member and we, so we did like a new staff lunch there. And uh, I was amazed, again, still 18 months later, they still have all these friendly people there, which just blows me away. I'm like, I'm not sure where they found. They found all the friendly people in New Jersey and are well, and, I think, and, and for me, that's where I go. They have got a they got it nailed. great system. Yeah, that's very true. Great. Cool. Well, if you could get 15 minutes with any leader alive, uh, who would you want to get that time with and why? 
Oh gosh, Pro- you know, I think probably I, thinking about this, probably a Bill Hybels. Mm. A, a, a couple of these guys, Bill Hybels or an Andy Stanley, or mm. they, they, they probably Bill Hybels. The reason why is he changed the face of the church. Mm. I mean, sure. I mean, he changed the face of the church. the um, The amount of pain that man had to have endured mm. in order to do what he's done. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's crazy. It's very he, true. He had an idea. He faced all the criticism. We are now standing on his shoulder. I mean, the church in America, the, the church is growing in America right now, is standing on the shoulders of that man and the decision he made to to look outside and look at outsiders and focus a little bit more on the outside yep. and really just push that. He's even even because I go, well, maybe Andy Stanley, but even Andy Stanley would say he changed when he went to a Willow Creek conference. And That's so true. So, so I would say for him, he the, the amount the amount of things that had to have happened behind the scenes mm-hmm. he never talks about mm-hmm. got to be pretty unique. Absolutely, I think Bill Hobbs is a, that's a great choice. You know, I think there'll be even leaders today that might criticize you know Willow and be like, ah, I'm not so sure about it. But then when you look at their ministry, you're like, you realize how much of what you do is modeled after Willow Creek. <laughs> like they really have you know been a pattern setter for sure. Well, th- I really appreciate you being on the show today. I'm sure you're super busy at the church when you just want to kick back relax you know have some fun how, how do you do that uh yeah well i mean for me my hobbies right now are working out i mean i'm really kind of into that right now nice. um washing cars I really like to wash <laughs> okay. my cars. there's something nice about that it's just therapeutic it's therapeutic because you know and so much of church work nothing's ever really done yes and so washing the cars is a way to get it done and then hanging out with my i have a seven-year-old and a five-year-old nice, uh, nice. hanging out with my wife and my boys and going to they're playing flag football right now um so being the crazy dad on the sidelines i like doing that sometimes so very cool, very cool. well mike i appreciate being on the show today if people want to get in touch with you or with next level church how is the what's the best way to do that well, nextlevelchurch.com is our website, and we have you can. My email is mike at nextlevelchurch.com, but you can go on there and check us out. Um, nextlevelchurch.com, uh, you can do that. It's probably the best way that I could think of. Uh, at nextlevelmike is my Twitter uh, handle. It's also Instagram uh, as well for me. So, yeah, that's probably the best way. That's cool. Thank you so much. Appreciate you being on the show. Yeah, thanks, Rich. Thank you for tuning in to this week's Unseminary podcast. Don't be shy. We'd love to connect. Check out Unseminary Inbox. You can sign up at unseminary.com and we'll send you helpful training resources every week. Plus, you'll gain immediate access to our exclusive members area with tons of resources you can use. Connect with Rich on Twitter at Rich Birch or through email rich at unseminary.com Don't forget to check out the show notes for this episode at unseminary.com It includes links to what we talked about today and more. Leave a comment. We'd love to hear from you. Did you enjoy today's episode? Drop by iTunes and leave a review. Thanks again for tuning in to this week's Unseminary podcast. Join us next week when we'll learn more stuff we wish they taught in seminary.